Hey there, and welcome to Queer I Am, Lord, a brand new show where two or more gather to Kiki, in God's name, I like to say. I'm Jorge Olivares of HeyJorge.com, and I'm joined today by a fellow soon-to-be Catholic. Hopefully this coming Easter, we'll be joining the church and we'll be joining a brand new community. And my guest is Grant Hartley. Um, Grant, first off, welcome to not only the church, but welcome to the show and welcome to like a really new exciting interesting way to express one's faith which yeah, is the catholic church exciting. <laughs> i so let's talk about this since it's kind of right here in front of us um that's it it's a wonderfully exciting thing to be able to enter the church and talk about the moment to have it happen on easter um usually it happens at the easter vigil where there's the whole mm-hmm. pomp and circumstance to welcoming yeah. new people to the church are you nervous are you excited are you like what are all the emotions tied to this really cool thing that's going to happen yeah yes yes to all of that i feel everything um i grew up a really low church southern baptist and so this is quite the jump my my dad's a, a freemason um so it's a very different um different experience than i thought i'd be having um, and I'm still sort of unsure about the ins and outs of the Catholic world. I think I was swimming in a very small pond, it feels like. Um, but now entering the Catholic Church, I realize, oh gosh, this is so much bigger um, than, than what I'm used to. And so I don't know all the rules and I don't know where to stand or what to say or when to cross myself or what to kiss or all those things. Um, so I'm really nervous about all that. But my church... Um, happens to be really, really supportive and really um, understanding, I guess. They've answered all my questions really well. Um, it's a Jesuit church near um, near SLU. So yeah, I feel everything. I'm very excited to, um, to partake in the Eucharist for the first time um, in the Catholic Church. That's, that's the thing I'm, I'm really, really excited about. So. And with reason, like you have every reason to be excited about these things. Like it is, it's a new chapter for you. It's a new adventure. Mm-hmm. And for someone who's a little jaded like myself, who's been a part of the church for now 33 years of my life, like I, it's good to hear this and good to hear mm-hmm. somebody just feel so excited about the things that I've taken for granted having been with the church for so long. Um I love that you said like going from the small little pond to like the big deep waters of the Catholic church. Um, because I think there's something to even be said about how the Catholic church, if you choose to make it so can also be like a small little pond and like mm. putting yourself into these smaller ponds as a way to get more comfortable with the much larger ocean that is the Catholic church. Yeah. Um, so I'd love that you have found a parish in which you can do that and you can kind of wade in the water a little bit before you have to go off the deep end. Yeah. Yeah. I think um, one of my friends I talked to a few years ago um, who was Catholic and sort of helped facilitate this journey. Um, I asked her like, do you have any advice to give me? And she said, what you need to do is you need to look at various traditions in the Catholic Church, small t traditions. And if you find one that really speaks to you, that can be your way in. Um, and so I, I think I just sort of fell into it, but I fell into um, Ignatian spirituality. Um, 
I, I read uh, Father James Martin's The Jesuit Guide to Almost Everything, which was so good, so helpful. Uh, and my church is a Jesuit, a Jesuit church. Um, and then I also read Paul Eli's book on four American Catholics. It's called The Life You Save May Be Your Own. Um, and in it, I found uh, Dorothy Day. Dorothy Day just really speaks to me in, in a way that um, few other saints do. So yeah, those were sort of my ways in, um, which were really helpful. I want to ask a little bit about kind of the the decision and the impetus to to join the church. Mm-hmm. Was it something that had been brewing for a little bit? Was there one particular moment where it just kind of struck you and it was this calling from God or however you want to describe it? Like how how did that process manifest itself? Yeah, well, um, I was really lucky, um, fortunate, blessed in that both my parents love the Lord. <laughs> um, and they raised me um, the best way they knew how. And it was, um, it was a really good, a good family experience. Um, and so from a very early age, I was just really invested in the spiritual life. Um, and I think maybe when I realized I was gay for early on, I thought, oh, this can be a way that I can really shine in ways I can't shine other places. Um, so I became the like the, the super religious kid. Um, and that was, I guess, a way to survive. Um, but over time, I think I realized in the circles I was running in, very low church, Protestant, mostly evangelical, Baptist and Presbyterian circles. Um, this isn't true everywhere but felt sort of disconnected from history. Uh, And so I really longed to be connected to the the big story of the church in the world. And so um, one of my friends, he spent a a few, I think a year or so in the Anglican church, and then he became Eastern Orthodox, and now he's an Eastern Catholic. Um, He's been, um, he's my sponsor, he's been sort of beside me on this journey as well. And I think um, I became sort of convinced of the importance of being connected to the longer story. So that was, I think, sort of brewing in the background. Um, And then other things sort of fell into place. Um, I think this was sort of sudden, but I think I just realized like, I don't know if I have a good reason to believe that the Eucharist um, is just a symbol or, or just a memorial. Um, I don't know if I have a good, good enough reason to, to maintain that belief. And so I started to think, huh, maybe like, maybe Jesus is really present in the Eucharist. Um, and so that clicked into place. Um, <laughs> I got influenced by some of Catholic social teaching um, and Later on, the Catholic left. Um, I started to think um, this was sort of a, a very esoteric theological point, but I started to believe that um, God's desire to become incarnate precedes his desire to go to the cross. So like um, God God wants God's love for his creation is such that he would always have wanted 
to become a part of it, even if there had been no fall and no need for um, the crucifixion. Um, and if that's true, like that opens up a whole, a whole other um, world theologically. And I found, I found that the, the Eastern Orthodox Church and the Catholic Church were the places where I could explore that. Um, so I read some metropolitan Callistos Ware, um, who's like foremost Orthodox uh, English speaking theologian. Um, yeah, and then I, I, don't, I honestly probably can't explain why I felt really at peace slowly moving toward the Catholic Church. Um, there was a, a festival in St. Louis uh, near where I'm at uh, called the Festival of Nations. And in it, um, like a hundred and something different nations are represented with food and booths and culture and, and shopping. It's just this huge festival. And there was an interfaith tent. And for some reason, I just thought, you know, this, uh, this is it. This is where I have, I have to do this. And so I went up to the Catholic table and I said, I, I'm trying to be Catholic. <laughs> you make me Catholic. <laughs> lead me. Please lead me to your ways. <laughs> what do I need to do? Um, and I mentioned to them that I was gay because I just wanted to get that over with because I'd spent too much time um, being hurt in various ways. And so I just wanted to make sure that that wasn't going to be a problem. And they recommended me to uh, a local Jesuit church. And so that's where I started attending. And I spent about a year and a half in RCIA um, before I made the decision. I took it really, really slow. But I've, I found a lot of peace right now. That was sort of rambling. But no, not at all. Because I think something that you, the way in which you described that, reminded me just how terrible it is for myself to have allowed myself to have gotten swept up with just the, the normalcy of my Catholic background mm. in that I don't ask these larger questions. I don't think to figure out what it all means because all I've ever known is my Catholic faith. Mm. And so even if I've asked myself these questions before or felt like I know it all, um, I love that when compared to the conversations I'm having with recent converts, and there have been many, which I find really, really exciting, um, is the amount of thought and work that goes into making the decision to pursue Catholicism, where that decision was, I mean, granted, I make a decision to stay in it today, but <laughs> that decision was taken away from me when I was born. I yeah. was born into a Catholic family. They baptized me. This is the road that they set me on. And I thought, okay, I'll stay here. But the fact that you can you're so conscious about it. And I love that. And I love that you put a lot of thought into something that is very significant to a lot of people is what is my spiritual affiliation going to be? What is my spiritual journey and my spiritual life going to look like? And for you come this Easter, it's going to be Catholic, but even then you're, you're Catholic today. You, the way you're, you're approaching it. Like, I hope you feel like you're very much a Catholic before having the water dunked over your head and have the oils put on your forehead. Yeah, I, I don't know how I feel. I feel like I'm in a weird middle spot. But um, yeah, I think the, the big moment was coming out as a Catholic on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I'm doing it, guys. I'm doing it. And I think that felt, that felt really final in a way. Um, what was the response you got from that? Um, 
it was overwhelmingly positive in that, in that first tweet. And then I just felt really sassy because I knew it wasn't going to be that simple. But shortly after I said, I hope, I hope all y'all continue this when you realize how very gay I am. Um, and that got uh, some mixed feedback. <laughs> but um, yeah, I, I've, I think I, I'm pr always been pretty ecumenical at heart. And so I think I found a lot of um, connections on Twitter over, over the past few years that has sort of helped me process through that, including a lot of Jesuits on Twitter. Shout out to the Jesuits. Nice. Love them. Well, I should say full disclosure, most of the conversations you will hear me have on Queer I Am Lord originated from Twitter because I put out the call to talk to queer Catholics. That is how I came across Grant's profile and Grant's story and a lot of the others that you'll hear in the course of this show. And I think that's so beautiful because talk about a place where not only do a lot of us are like, uh, I don't give a fuck what others have to say, um, but like such an open space to be as queer as we want to be and be yeah. as religious as we want to be or be whatever we want to be because we will find our tribe regardless. There mm -hmm. will at least, I guarantee you, if you're whatever intersectional identity you have, there's at least one other person on Twitter mm -hmm. that you will probably be able to find who has that. Yeah, so I love that, that there was that you chose to announce it on Twitter, and were able to get the the beautiful responses that you did. Yeah, it was really encouraging. I think, I think um, even even Catholic voices that uh, would maybe be set opposed to to what I what I say publicly, really jump at the opportunity to say like, we got another one. You know, mm -hmm. we got another one. Let's celebrate. So I felt I felt very celebrated. But uh, how has it been? Because I, how did you phrase it about your parents or lovers of the Lord? Or how did yeah, you say it? yeah, they love the Lord absolutely. What was it with regards to the conversation about your identity and your sexuality? Was mm -hmm. it an easy one to have? Uh, was it one that was um, like? because you have such a, I, would, I could assume a closeness with them and a closeness to the same Lord and the same divine, um, that it might've been a little bit more uh, easy to have. I don't want to project onto you to say that it was, but I'm curious if it, like how that, how that process went out. Yeah, so um, I grew up, my family lived, um, my parents still live, in a small town of about 300 or so people uh, in the middle of nowhere. Um, there's like 15 or so small towns like that spread over Northwest Missouri. Um, and so, um, yeah, I think small towns come with some unique challenges for LGBTQ people um, because there aren't as many of us there. And so I think um, in a lot of ways, it was um, difficult for my parents to know what to do. Um, and so it was a process. But I think at the same time that I was coming out to them, I was also becoming really involved in a campus ministry in college. And so I think maybe some of the dynamic was like they were nervous about me coming out, but also really excited to see that I was really invested in my faith. Um, and then 
my younger brother came out as well. My parents are very lucky. Uh, so <laughs> I love that. The yeah, your kids. Absolutely. Um, and so they got even more practice. Um, but I think to provide even a little more background, my parents um, stick out in my hometown area because they are pretty progressive politically, uh, which is not a normal thing in small towns. But um, my, my grandparents are, are all surprisingly or were surprisingly progressive as well. Uh, so it's really providential, honestly. It feels like I, was, I, got, um, I got put in the exact right family. Uh, and they, <laughs> I know that there's been um, really horrific experiences that queer kids have with their parents but I have had zero of that. I mean, there was some difficulty. I was a moody teenager and then I was like a confusing young adult who just came out and it took me years to figure that out for myself. So um, the least I could do was give my parents a little bit of time to, to figure it out. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I got really lucky. I, I love my parents. Um, we talk very frequently. <laughs> I think they're the best. I, one, I love that because I also am very lucky and blessed to have a, a very supportive family. And I think the religion has helped with that because they also are very much believers in God created my child the same way they create, he created me um, or God, if we're to use gender neutral pronouns, like God created all of us. He loves us all. Here I am going, regressing back to he pronouns. Um, but like that, it was part of the, the joy in accepting my queerness um, that they understood that God was at the hand, like he was at the head of all of this and making all these decisions. I am curious if, because I was not blessed to have other queer members of my family, was, was it easy having a queer sibling, being able to navigate the murky waters of how spirituality and sexuality could, could see each other work out? Yeah. Um, I think the dynamic for me and my brother for a while was, well, for, I, I'll just speak for myself. I, I don't think I can speak for him, but I think I saw so much of myself in him at a time when I really didn't like myself. <laughs> and so I think a lot of the, this, the struggle, the fighting that we went through when we were younger a lot of that I can trace back to um, me just not not liking the myself that I saw in him. Um, and my younger brother has taught me so much over the years about self-acceptance and about what it means to be queer um, publicly and culturally. And so we've had this, this long um, evolution in our relationship. Um, and now I'd say we have a really strong relationship, but yeah, I think, I don't think we talked much about it when it was happening to us. So, uh, it was Which more like, sense. yeah, it made sense. It was, it was more like, I think the summer after my first year in college, I shared with him and he's like, oh yeah, me too. I was like, oh, <laughs> <laughs> You're like, this is amazing. Look at yeah. all the queer joy that's happening in the Hartley family right now. Imagine if we 
had known if we had been able to say something as soon as we knew. Like imagine the conversations we could have had, how, how easily we could have figured some of these things out. I think like, I don't know, if we could, if queer people could have their adolescence when, when they're adolescents, that would be helpful. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, that, that's why a lot of people have used the term like a gay bee, a little mm-hmm. like a, a baby gay, whenever somebody just recently comes out as gay, no matter their age, because there is a, a growth process, a, yeah. a maturity thing that happens in your queerness that, like you said, sometimes doesn't coincide with our physical age, puberty, adolescence, you know, growth process yeah. that we have. Um, I, I want to ask about, because unfortunately our listeners do not have a chance to see, but you have your nails painted a beautiful pink. I do. Do you, are you, are you somebody who likes to go to mass with your, your nails painted with uh, perhaps elements of presentation that might upset people, but is very much in line with how you choose to, to live your life? You know, that's such an interesting question because I really haven't thought about it. But I mean, I have showed up at mass with my fingernails painted. Um, and I have showed, I think I, I may have showed up with ma- at mass with, uh, with like a pride shirt at one point. Um, it's more subtle. It's like a big heart with a rainbow heart with two bears on the front. Um, so <laughs> that's cute. Let the reader understand. You know, <laughs> not everyone would have gotten it, but yeah, I think I think I do feel a lot of safety at my current church. Um, yeah, I have like a, a keychain that I carry um, with me, and that's that has like a bright rainbow piece on it. And I don't know. I feel like I'm not very um, very straight passing. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I think, (laughs) yeah, I don't even think like when I came out to people that it was a surprise to them. (laughs) (laughs) They're like, oh, Grant, if you only knew that we've known for a long time. Yeah. So, but I think there's a beauty in that, a beauty in whether, I mean, by God's choice that, they said, you know, Grant's going to be able to, to live this beautifully different life in the way that I see fit. And hopefully he accepts it or hopefully he, he sees it for what it needs to be. I think, that's, I think there's something out of our control about that, right? Like a lot of queer people will say something about their voices, about their mannerisms, about their presentation. But that was a deliberate choice God made to give us those things. Yeah. Um, and I think there's something very special when yeah. it comes to that. You know what? Now that I think about this, I, I for, I've forgotten this, but a lot of the fingernail polish that I currently have was given to me by one of the women in the church. Um, so there are two older women who help with my RCIA class. Um, and... Uh, yeah, one of them, I think I showed up at, to RCIA with my, my fingernails painted and she said, oh, I have, I have so much extra fingernail polish. Can I bring it and give it to you next Sunday? <laughs> and I said, 
sure. Sure, I'll <laughs> take it. Great. Um, and she brought a little bag of, um, of fingernail polish and a little uh, book on the rosary. It was, it was so That's sweet. That's precious. That's so like, precious. This is the perfect, it's the perfect place for me to go first. Mm. Um, I'm, I'm really, yeah, really fortunate. It's not all rosy, but this, this part of my story is very rosy. <laughs> You're like, I guarantee you there were some, some downfalls. It's like most people, we've all had, you know, those lower moments that have shaped us and, and led us to the point that we are today. Um, but I think there's a lot of excitement about relishing in the beautiful mm -hmm. aspects of, of where we are and yeah. how we can be optimistic about our identity. Um, have you given thought about having painted nails or maybe presenting in an authentic way for Easter as you enter the church? Oh my gosh. Where's my gay card? I have to give it to you because I had, I did not think about what I'm going to wear for Easter. What? How have you not, <laughs> the most dramatic night of the lights are off, you know, evening came, morning followed, you know, the chariots and the charioteers, like this oh. is the night. I'm shook. I have to, I have to go through my wardrobe. I have to, I have to think. Um, no, I haven't thought about it, but now I'm going to obsess about it for a few days. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm, like, I mean, granted, we are living at a time where it might be difficult to congregate and gather, but are members of your family going to be able to join you for this really momentous occasion? Um, I should ask them. I, I think it might be difficult. Um, they live a few hours away right now. Um, so it might be difficult with a pandemic, um, to do that. But, um, I did have my sponsor come, uh, for the right of the call to continual conversion. Um, and that was very, very sweet. I enjoyed that. So hopefully I'll have, um, some, some of my friends, throughout my journey be able to make it um to that to easter but yeah we'll see i've i've honestly it sort of slipped my mind i don't know what's wrong with me well it's it's because <laughs> i'm taking classes too Ugh. so there's a lot happening there's a yes. lot happening in life there's a lot happening in the world you are totally forgiven when it comes to this kind of stuff that's true well, I'm excited that this is happening in the next few weeks for you, that you'll be able to formally, since I say, if you believe in any sort of Catholic tradition, if you want to label yourself a Catholic, welcome to the tribe. You are okay. more than happy to be a part of um, who we say we, we are to the world. Um, and for people who are interested in maybe including you in their communities, in terms of online communities, you did mention Twitter, how Twitter has been a, a nice place for you to meet some people. Um, so how can people follow you on social media? Yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at the Grant Hartley. Um, I tweet some silly things and some thoughtful things. Um, and I think, I think I've gotten pretty good at Twitter to be clear. Um, it was one of my goals to become good at Twitter and I think I'm pretty good at it. Um, where else? Um, I, I also help with another podcast. Yes, um, talk about okay. this. Yeah, so um, I help with a podcast called the Life on Side B podcast. Uh, and so um, 
your listeners will probably know some of this already, but side B is like terminology for a particular view of sexual ethics. Um, so side A, side B, side A is affirming of same-sex sexual behavior. Side B is non-affirming of same-sex sexual behavior. Um, I have been fortunate in that I've experienced a lot of side A, side B solidarity in my life. I love my side A friends. Um, but um, yeah, I would, I would describe my, my sexual ethics as side B. So I help with a podcast where there's like five or so of us um, that have just really organic conversations, not unlike this um, with other side B folks. Um, so you can check that out at, I think the website is life on, I forgot. Life on side B. <laughs> Google it. You'll find it. That's where you'll Google be able it. to hear a little bit more about um, this very unique conversation that a lot of people are wanting to have. And so I'm glad that you and, and some of your friends are having that. Uh, well, I appreciate you taking some time to chat with me, especially on the eve of a very, very significant moment in your life. Um, so I want to be, I mean, I'm probably not the first one to say this, but Grant, peace be with you. And with your spirit. <laughs> And it's official now. You know what? I just made you happy. <laughs> Do not worry about having to do with That's all the future things. I just made it happen. <laughs>